The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Every day I wake up, I'm like, I'm going to retire today. And then I check my email and go, oh, <laughs> yeah, can't do that. <laughs> not today. Not today. People would miss me. Broadcasting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. Despite my willingness to always learn something new, there are times when I need to hear something or maybe just be hit over the head with it a few times before I get into it. Well, that has happened over the past few months. In speaking with someone about mental health challenges that my daughter has been having over the past year, the term polyvagal theory came up. Kind of went right over my head at the time. It was suggested that I look into it. So I did my usual, did a Google search, checked it out really quickly, and then left open the three tabs on my Chrome window for, you know, somewhere around two months or so. And then they were closed down when the browser crashed. (laughs) That's kind of how I work into something new. So it didn't keep on popping up for me, but I did notice that I saw the term while I was reading or researching something. So I just find that that's like when it comes into your awareness and you just notice these kind of things. Recently, a colleague shared a video with me that he watched to help his anxiety and not that it only eased the anxiety he was experienced for him, but it helped relieve his back pain that he'd been suffering with and seeing his chiropractor for for well over a month. I guess it was somehow doing the thing. But really what the video that he shared with me was talking about was the vagus nerve at the core of polyvagal theory. So I started to do some digging because I'm familiar with this vagus nerve, but I haven't really wrapped my head around it entirely. Now there's a correlation with digestion and gut health that includes heartburn, reflux, GERD, SIBO, IBS, There's so much talk about the vagus nerve with just overall healing. Mental health is huge. Sleep issues, including insomnia. Then there's also dizziness that you might experience when you either lay down or you stand up. Vitamin B12 deficiency, chronic inflammation, and of course, the weight loss issues that we've talked about of late on this uh, podcast. So pretty much everyone that comes to me for consultation somehow falls into that category So there's a lot to be learned. It made me think, hang on a minute, what am I missing here? Why is there not enough attention about this? Now this incredible nerve sure accounts for so much. So what do you need to know about it? And of course, what can you do to help yourself? So today on Eat This with Leanne, an introduction to the vagus nerve with a favorite expert of ours, Dr. Davis Brockenshire. He's coming back on to help us learn more. You got to know that there are nerves all over our body. But what you might need to hear again after your high school biology class is that we have a sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And the vagus is a part of the parasympathetic nervous system. 
system. And this is the system that supports us in our chilling out, in our centering, in the calming of ourselves, as well as digesting our food and having a healthy reproductive system. Oh, yes. And of course, healing. So, yes, it's a really important aspect of what keeps us in balance between the crazy, the stress, the frantic and the calm. How do you stay so calm and cool? But what happens when there's just too much stress? Now, we've talked a lot about that lately. This podcast, we had burnout episode in episode 72, and I know that that comes up in pretty much every single episode we've talked about because life just throws so much stress at all of us. And especially of late with, you know, a little global pandemic going on and lives turned upside down. And of course, the rise in in mental health issues of late. It's not easy to wrap our head around this stress thing, but my hope with digging into this topic is that we have another angle at which to deepen our understanding of just how do we tick? How do our bodies work? And what's the root cause of the symptoms that you're experiencing that you just can't seem to get rid of and they pop up every day? Well, you know, where on earth are they coming from? This might seem like a really specific topic to dig into, but please just stay with me. And the expert that I've got to talk to us today, of course, you're super familiar with Dr. Davis Brockenshire. Just when we need a deep dive and we need to hit something that is, I don't know, what would you say, Chris, like larger, wider, something like that? I don't know. We've had him on for men's health, for yeah. talking about booze originally to talk about the COVID situation. And I don't even, can't even think of how many more episodes, but you can search Dr. B and hear everything he has to say. He blows our minds every single time. He really knows how to hit a nerve. (laughs) 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 Oh, nice one. I'm here all week. Try the deal. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this topic is no different on the deep dive. And Dr. B, as he's fondly known to thousands and thousands of his patients that he treats in Plymouth, Michigan, locally, and those who hear him speak from all over the world. Dr. B, he's a functional medicine expert from Innovations Health. I'll put all those notes in uh, leannephillipson.com for you to find him if you want to know more. And he's likely going to blow our minds once again. But in starting to talk about the vagus nerve please know that there's going to be a part two to all of this maybe more who knows depending on where we go with this so you can let us know what resonates for you after this episode and what do you need to know more about all that feedback is really important any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at sproutright.com or leannephillipson.com All right. Well, welcome back again, Dr. B, to This with Leanne. It's always a pleasure to have you on and we get such tremendous feedback about every episode that you've been on so far. I think the, what's the most popular one do we think, Chris? The the booze? What does booze do to your body? Oh, it has to be. Yeah. And there are so many people that don't realize that we went into that without saying, please don't drink anymore. It's just a, a visualization, really, of where what's happening as it yeah. goes through your body, which yeah. was so cool, wasn't well, we, it? it was we really didn't want to start a riot. We, uh, we, we, you know, sometimes you no, got to go can't do that. The, with the soft gloves before you get to the, you know, the knockout punch. <laughs> Yeah. 
And today we're going to start talking about uh, the vagus nerve and a little bit about... All right. What happens with the vagus nerve stays with the vagus nerve. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) (laughs) So welcome back on to Eat This with Leanne. Thank you so much. So can you just start to take us on a bit of a journey uh, through what is the vagus nerve? What does it do? And really like why do people need to know about it because they're probably sitting there going, what are you talking about, Leanne? You're talking about one particular nerve. This is crazy. Thanks for having me back, Leanne. If you're laughing right now, you're using your vagus nerve. Quick background on the vagus nerve. Why Why do we even need to know about it? Uh, if you've been living in North America for the last two years, your vagus nerve has taken a beating because it is the, the brake pedal to your fight or flight system. It is your stress management cable. It's not something that people even know they have. But exactly, if, if you were to cut your vagus nerve by accident, you would know you have it because your heart would explode and your bowels would empty. Oh, geez. So, I mean, okay. there, there's your first symptom. We are so right. sorry if you're having breakfast right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. A couple key points about this. It is the longest nerve in the body coming off the brain. And we want to remember that this particular nerve, which is a cranial nerve, has nothing to do with the spine. It comes right off the brainstem. So for the chiropractors out there screaming up and down, finally, somebody's talking about the vagus nerve, cranial nerve number 10. Um, Yeah, it's got nothing to do with the spine. Okay. But if you've ever had manual therapy done to your skull or your first vertebrae, you've been working on the vagus nerve. Uh, physiologically, it's a big player, but it's one of those things that you don't have conscious control over unless you're a hardcore yogi or expert meditator. The vagus nerve is familiar to most people because if you've ever had uncontrollable diarrhea or vomiting, that's the vagus nerve. Hmm. It's just not something you can stop. It's got to happen. Okay. And the same thing about your heart rate, believe it or not, The vagus nerve is what's controlling your heart rate because without that nerve, your heart would sit there and beat about 220 beats a minute. So it's slowing it down? Yeah, that's exactly right. We control our heart rate based on braking, much like a locomotive. So the vagus nerve is constantly controlling the heart rate. Good thing you don't have to think about it, right? Absolutely. I'd be tired. I'd be tired. Yeah. So a panic attack is a good example of when the vagus nerve goes haywire. Mm. heart rate goes up your breathing changes you start to sweat and you're like what is happening and why can't i stop it which is probably why we should talk about it absolutely it does have huge impact on our health and pretty much everything but are there some key things that people would be able to correlate with this where maybe they haven't had the answers before and is this you know is this something that you can say oh my gosh, I have to look after my vagus nerve and we'll get in, get into how to do that, if you know what I mean. Because <laughs> uh, that's what everybody will say. Oh, is it my vagus nerve? And how do I make it better? The uh, reminder here is that it is a cranial nerve. Okay, you've got 12 of those little nerves coming off your brain. A lot of us are familiar with another cranial nerve, which is the olfactory nerve, which is the nerve that got infected with COVID because you lost your smell. And you lost Mm -mm. the taste. So that's the power of what we're talking about. Cranial nerves are no joke. And uh, when you have a head injury or neck trauma like whiplash, doesn't matter when it was, you can have dysfunction in that system. 
So people that have altered taste, smell, um, eye movements, for example, after a head injury, those are all cranial nerve issues. Even people with tight shoulders, you know, if their neck muscles are always tight and they're always asking people to rub their neck, a lot of times that's a cranial nerve problem, but that will be cranial nerve number 11, not the vagus, which is number 10. So chiropractors, massage therapists, osteopaths, uh, anybody that has cranial sacral, Chinese medicine doctors, what they're working on is trying to bring, bring balance back to the autonomic nervous system, which is the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is the rest and digest portion of your automatic nervous system. Okay. We're all familiar with fight or flight. I mean, anybody that's been shocked, right, or had a near miss and their mouth starts to water and they start to sweat or they're having a hot flash, that's the fight or flight nervous system. The vagus nerve is the rest and digest nervous system. So that's why when somebody gets hit in the head, they often have very strange symptoms. Pupils start to look weird, dizziness, shortness of breath. All of these things can happen because the, the vagus nerve gets weird. Some people have said it's the nerve of love because when you're in love, you know, you feel weird. Your heart pitter patters, your pupils are dilated, <laughs> start sweating in weird places. You, you throw up uncondi- uncontrollably. Yeah. <laughs> Loss of bowel and bladder control. Oh my God. Let's hope not. Holy That's smokes. True love. <laughs> true love. I love you so much, honey. I just went, I just peed my pants. Yeah. Wow. That was great. <laughs> well, the vagus is one of our core wired networks in the brain that allows us to operate independent of thought, right? You don't have to think about beating your heart. Right. You don't have to think about digesting. If you did, we'd all be dead. We can't think about two things at once, but a lot of people's digestive problems like heartburn and constipation can be tied back to the neurology of the vagus nerve. And that's why if you uh, do some research today on things people can do to help themselves, some of the things that come up all involve the vagus nerve, like mindfulness, meditation, prayer, exercise, yoga, polyvagal theory, all these things involve that piece of anatomy. And so one of the things we look at is what's the common denominator here? And at the end of the day, if we were to distill it down to one word, that word would be theta. Now, this isn't the next COVID variant. Don't freak out. Okay. This is theta, not delta. Theta is the brainwave that the vagus nerve operates on. And theta is the brainwave that you experience in that space between sleep and awake. You know, where you are, Chris, right now. We're not quite awake. (laughs) Wow. We're awake. Out of nowhere. Right to the side of the head. Jeez. He's just messed up your vagus nerve, my friend. Right before you know you're on fire, you're like, wait a minute, am I on fire? That's a theta wave. And in a lot of people today, they don't have enough theta waves, so they're really not getting that good rest between awake and sleep. You know, so if you use an alarm clock to wake up, you're waking up with a jolt. Yes. And you skip theta waves. And when you do that, you're rapidly aging your brain. So it's good to train yourself to not use an alarm clock or use a gradual alarm clock that slowly wakes you up. On a side note, kids with autism have altered theta patterns. And so when we measure that, you can do things like vagal nerve stimulation to calm that down. Um, ADHD and OCD also fit into that vagal pattern. 
And uh, since we're talking about that, the absolute number one nutritional deficiency that causes vagal nerve dysfunction mm-hmm. is magnesium. So most of us are magnesium deficient, mainly yep. because our food sucks, our diet sucks, the soil yep. sucks, people suck, the world is crazy. <laughs> I think it sucks. <laughs> stress is stress, right? So we have depleted our reserves. And when you do that, the vagus nerve kind of overheats and gets a little wild. So if you've noticed you've started to come unglued, you're having a hard time with stress, you just don't care about anything anymore, um, you can't sleep because you're too tired to go to sleep, all those things. Yeah. That's a vagal problem, and that usually starts with magnesium. The magnesium bisglycinate is just flies off my shelf on spurtright.com yeah. because it's such an exceptional uh, magnesium that people really do. They just love it. They feel so different, and I don't think they really understand why. So that can also really, uh, really help them. Now, in the case of anxiety, mental health, depression, my daughter, having had you know a lot of mental health issues over the past year, um, then somatic therapy came up to to look into. So what what's where's the tie in between the mental health issues and the vagus nerve? In mental health, we look at, you know, cognitive behavioral issues. You can look at physiology, you can look at neurotransmitters and brain chemistry and all that stuff. But the easiest way to understand this relationship is if somebody's coming unglued, whether it's anxiety, depression, doesn't matter. And somebody says, dude, you need to get a grip. The ability to get a grip is tied to the vagus nerve. Okay. So if that nerve is inflamed or infected, or malnourished, or injured, you literally can't get a grip. And if you were to take medication to try and help the brain get a grip, it usually backfires and causes other unwanted issues. Because like I said in the beginning, this is a cranial nerve. This is brain tissue. This is an extension of the brain. Mm. It was very difficult to put chemistry into this nerve and make it behave Uh, And the other problem with pharmacology is they're not really looking at this nerve. They're looking upstream at neurotransmitters like serotonin, uh, epinephrine, norepinephrine, so on and so forth. Okay. So you mentioned, what was all of that, Chris? Help me with that one. So not enough nutrition. Mm -hmm. Is there something specific other than magnesium or that's the, that's the main one? B vitamins, B12, anything else? Yeah, all the Bs, anything metabolic. You got to lay off the stimulants. A lot of people are, well, not just coffee, but I see a lot of younger people talk about dating ourselves, younger people, you know, in their (laughs) thirties, those younger people in their thirties who uh, live on energy drinks, right? They're working hard. They're working long hours. I get it. But as you mainline those energy drinks and strip your body of essential minerals, at some point the bill comes due and you crack. And not from a chiropractic point of view either. It, you crack the wrong way right. and, and you start to shatter uh, your what we call your consciousness. Yeah. So you no longer perceive the world around you um, in a, a stable, healthy way. Everything is threatening. There is no safe space. And so one of the questions I ask people if we're talking about the vagus nervous, hey, um, do you feel safe? Because if the answer is no, you've got altered vagal function. That's definitely a question I ask my daughter a lot. Can you keep yourself safe? Do you feel safe? And yeah, the conversation goes from there. So 
Yeah. Right. Very, very interesting. So the malnourished and then you said injury and mm, what infection. else like infection. So what's with an infection in the vagus nerve? If this is brain tissue, would you not have a crack and headache or what does that look like? Maybe not always. For example, um, you can have a latent herpes infection, right? People Which get herpes means? sores once in a while. You might get a cold sore. Well, where's that cold sore coming from? That virus is living on a nerve. And so we know in medicine that herpes viruses love nerve tissue, particularly in the mid-back, but they also love cranial nerves. So if you've ever injured your mid-back and you got a cold sore, that means that the virus was living in that area. Shingles, for example, which is a form of herpes, can come out through the rib cage on those nerves. But some of the nasty versions of herpes and even chickenpox can live in cranial nerves 5, 7, and 10. So the facial nerve, trigeminal nerve, and the vagus nerve. And if you've ever seen somebody develop Bell's palsy, mm -hmm. that's a good example of an infection on a nerve. Now, if you have an infection on your vagus nerve, that's where you start to see your heart rate getting weird. So many cases of AFib were started by some kind of inflammation on the vagus nerve. And a lot of times it's post-infection. Like if you went to see your doctor and you had Bell's palsy, what do they tend to do? Because we'll just give you steroids, yeah, maybe an antiviral. They, 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 you know, give it time, it'll go away. That's <laughs> and then you I've wake up heard. one day, right, and you've got full-blown anxiety. <laughs> the, the moral of the story is don't ignore those symptoms. Yeah, they all mean something. And I think that's the biggest thing because Bell's yeah. palsy, there really is nothing other than just wait for two or three months and then might Okay, but I guess is that as long as it takes for where does the virus go at that point? If you ended up, you know, your face went, goes back to normal and the Bell's palsy is gone. Where does that where what happened? Was it the inflammation that took that long to go away or is it that the virus is now gone? The virus is never gone. The mm -hmm. virus just found a home. It's living under a rock. You know, I'm, I'm going to stay off politics here, but yeah, things are happening in there. And the idea is to live above it. So those types of viruses typically inflame when there's trauma, malnutrition, or severe stress, Right, like pregnancy, for example. Let's say you have a really rough and tumble pregnancy, baby comes out, life is good, you're home, all of a sudden you've got Bell's palsy. Yeah, like yeah. what happened to me? Well, it was stressful and you depleted all your calcium and magnesium and you're anemic and, 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 and. No sleep. Right trying to figure out this new parent thing. Yeah. Right. It's a very stressful time where I think a lot of, a lot of new parents just think, Oh, isn't this normal? Like, you know, two hours <laughs> of sleep a night or yeah. Ending up with something like that. Well, if the virus wasn't in the nerve, it would be in the brain. And these viruses, when they're in the brain cause something called glioblastoma, which nobody wants right, That's right. brain cancer. So Skip that chapter and let's go back to what happens when we're pregnant. Right. <laughs> you know? um, sex, by the way, is a great way to stimulate the vagus nerve. Oh. And we and we want to stimulate it. Whoa. Right. Well, there we I'll be back in about 45 seconds. <laughs> 45 Take some magnesium. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we want to stimulate the vagus nerve. Or do we want to calm the vagus nerve? Those two things listeners could be thinking, hang on, which one am I supposed to be doing here? Well, that's the joke about the vagus nerve. If you stimulate it, things calm down with heart rate and breathing, but they speed up with digestion. 
So the thing about the vagus nerve is balancing it. Okay. And the fastest way to balance it is just hum. Pick any <laughs> note and hum. When you hum or swallow, don't try it at the same time though, you'll choke. <laughs> that activates the vagus nerve because that nerve, those nerves are running through your throat. And that's why we know so much about them. Surgeons, when they're doing neck surgery, occasionally will tag the vagus nerve and that can kill somebody. So we know a lot about what the vagus nerve does does in typical medical fashion because accidents happen and they take good notes. So if you accidentally cut the nerve, they're like, oh, hey, look at that. Well, we won't do that again. Write that down. And that's the thing about surgeries. You learn as you go. Thank goodness we live today and not 50 years ago. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So stimulating it through humming. Mm -hmm. And then the calming is you mentioned about meditation and yoga. Yeah. That's another way of calm. I don't know. Well, breathing, really. Stop, take some deep breaths, pauses between. The phrases, everything's going to sound like Christopher Walken at some point. <laughs> no. Right? Because that dude, you know, besides having a great set of hair, you know, he looks like he's intense, but he's really calm. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Right. And you're just thinking about things like, you know, grapefruit, mm. which, you know, when we start talking about the liver and the vagus nerve, toxicity can throw off the vagus, which is why... Back to Chris, when we talk about alcohol, too much alcohol, hangovers, you right. can end up having vagal distortion because the brain is inflamed. So the vagal and distortion so, looks like what? Uh, droopy face, club foot, you know, mm. trying to make it to the bathroom after a long night. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. So typically when, and this hasn't happened recently, but one of the symptoms that I would get after drinking would be loose bowels all day. Yeah. So your, your brain is over firing the vagus to upregulate other, other functions in the body, particularly detox, you know? And so another way to think about it is, is, you know, you, you scared the crap out of me. Well, literally that happens, <laughs> right? The fear becomes so intense that the vagus nerve has to throttle itself, which then causes an evacuation. And uh, would, would that also come into play if someone was like super nervous as well? Yeah. Because there are some people or they, they, they're just going to go and speak on stage and they are like, I got to go to the bathroom again. I got to go to the bathroom again. I got to go to the bathroom again. That's Vegas. Stress induced IBS. Yeah, that's vagal. Right. No logic. So can you share some um, some things that you've seen where, you know, health issues that just don't go away? And if there was attention put onto this is there something that you know somebody might say oh my god i can't believe it this is what this has to do with i think for instance i had someone email me re- recently and say i have gastroparesis which is delayed gastric emptying so i have to be really careful about what i what i eat and i did a quick search about it i haven't consulted with anybody about that but that definitely came up as i was researching about the vagus nerve Correct. A great segue on gastric paresis, because that's almost always a PTSD situation. Mm. Somewhere in the past, they experienced a trauma. Okay. They may not even know they did. For example, choking. You know, you could choke and then somebody saves you and you're like, whew, I didn't die. But in the back of your mind, 
your vagus nerve is taking notes saying, if that ever happens again, do this. And right. so every time you swallow, your vagus nerve is like, whoa, 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 slow it up. And as you now know, the vagus nerve controls the contractions along the digestive tract. So gastric paresis is almost like a paralysis of that tract. So as you're swallowing food, if the vagus nerve says, I'm not doing this, then nothing's going to move, which is why it's, it's such a big deal with digestive issues. And that's why they call it the rest and digest nerve. Right. So, you know, your lifestyle hacks are if you're busy eating your plant-based diet while you're driving 95 miles an hour on the 407 looking for cops, you're probably not digesting, even though your diet could be great. Right. Your body's not in a position to digest. So you need to literally carve out however long it's going to take to eat and make that time to eat with no distractions, nothing stressful. Don't watch CNN. Good Lord, don't watch, you know, anything online at this point. Just put on some classical music or hum to yourself and enjoy your protein shake. You know, don't don't hurry up and eat. So the things that really stress out the vagus nerve is what you've said. So that's going to be some sort of injury. There's going to be the deficiencies, especially in magnesium. Um, how are like how are people going to be able to pay attention to this and, and connect the dots? Do you think this goes back into the mindfulness idea? You got to ask yourself, what are you afraid of? Literally, like that four-letter word, fear. Fear. Not the other one. Fear is what dysregulates the autonomic nervous system. And if you look at our world today, everybody's afraid of something, right? No, nobody can. I mean, somebody just looks at you wrong. Your immediate response is what? What are you looking at? Why? You know, you got to ask yourself, what are you afraid of? Why are you afraid of it? These are phobias. And, and you can't say to somebody, well, just don't be afraid of spiders. Dude, you don't know, man. Now, if I take a spider and genetically modify it with a bee, and then you get spider bees, now half the audience is looking out the window and scratching themselves. Yeah. And those are phobias and fears that stimulate that part of the brain that then sends signals down the vagus nerve. The main chemical that the vagus nerve is using is called norepinephrine. Now, we used okay. to call that noradrenaline, and that's what we use to settle the system down. You know, one of the expressions in parenting is, you're going to get a timeout. Because that works. But right. what is the point of a timeout? Is to settle down, collect your thoughts, let the vagus nerve do its thing, and talk to all of those body systems to chill. So, you know, if you've ever tried to hurry up and poop, it doesn't work. Mm. You can't, right? It's like having a baby. You can't hurry up and have a baby. Yeah. So I need you to sit my family down and explain to them why I take 45 minutes. Because I, I get accosted every single day <laughs> as to what are you doing in there? Why is it taking so long? Well, I'm I'm being mindful of my yes. situation and my vagus nerve. And if you don't believe me, call Dr. B. He'll explain right. everything to you. Perfect. You hurry up. Kids can hurry up and poop. But that's because their brain's a little fresher. <laughs> Wait, whoa, yeah. whoa, so, whoa. Are, so you, what... are you insulting my brain? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's the mileage, not the age. Yeah. What's with the fresher brain then? Their brain hasn't accumulated as much trauma, stress, and fear. Right. 
Yeah. Okay. You ever watch a child put their, you know, hand on a red hot coal? Yeah. They don't know. They're like, oh, cool. Pretty colors. Yeah. Ow. Okay. So it's the fear thing, a bunch of BS. Then. And what I mean by that is everyone tells us a little bit of fear in life is a good thing. We all have a little bit of fear. Okay. Right. It's built into our DNA. For example, we know genetically that those with ADHD come from a certain line of humans that can date back to about 11,000 years ago. And there was about 9,500 humans at that point that survived. So these are the, the boys and girls that looked up in the sky and went, holy crap, a meteor. And they ran. Everybody else looked up at the sky and went, ooh, pretty light. <laughs> We're not here anymore. Oh, okay. So those that ran away have that ingrained genetic fear that the sky is falling. Right. And we go through life and we can embed those experiences. Let's call them experiences um, into our DNA. So, for example, the fear of fire, that means something must have happened somewhere. But if you practice mindfulness meditation and really get into a conversation about what you're afraid of, you conquer your fears. You learn to live above them. They're still useful, but they're not controlling your subconscious. And that's really what the vagus nerve is about. Because once you get that thing rolling on autopilot, then you're living above that fight or flight. That's a good distinction. Mm. Yep. Very good. Really, really, really powerful. You know, I've heard you talk a million times and talk about how, like you said, the viruses get stuck on the vagus nerve. So from your perspective, what is it? How can you get above it? How can you deal with having a virus that's that's loving being on, you know, loving that nerve tissue and, and is, and is just sitting there. Well, it's like an unwanted house guest. How do you get them to leave? Yeah. You change the environment. Right. Right. And so if you're, somebody's over, you want them to go away, you either cut off the food supply, cut off the water or drinks. You can change yeah. the temperature. Yeah. And with viruses on a nerve, the single easiest thing to do is don't let them reproduce. So nerve viruses can't reproduce in a high lysine environment. So this is why you hear stories about people taking L-lysine when they have a cold sore. Yeah. And that inhibits that virus from reproducing itself. It's not a cure. It so just, li- yeah, lysine is a particular amino acid, which amino is a part, acid of a, right. a part of a protein. Right. Um, and you can buy that as a supplement. If you're going to dose it, dose 1,500 milligrams a day in that viral environment, but do it on an empty stomach. Most people eat a high arginine diet, which is another amino acid. Mm-hmm. Arginine feeds the virus. So you've heard people say, oh, I ate too much chocolate and got a cold sore, or I drank too much wine, or I had, you know, too many peanuts or whatever. Yeah, Those peanut butter. Are, yeah, high in arginine. Yeah. So if you already have a virus, don't feed it, starve it. Right. If you have chronic issues with that, then you may want to be on lysine long-term but another tool for nerve viruses is turmeric. High doses of turmeric will downregulate that inflammation. We can do a whole show on turmeric. Uh, well, I have dreams about turmeric. Why? I don't know. It's just, you know, it gets in there. But uh, yeah, if, if you're dealing with a chronic viral load, you need to look at turmeric. And that would be just, you know, taking that supplement BioA curcumin. It's on spurtright.com if you happen yeah. to, to need, you know, need any extra there or know that you're taking a really good one. So you're going to want to use a supplemental form. And a lot of the mindfulness 
practices, websites, a lot of the yoga teacher training, they tell you to take a tablespoon of turmeric in your golden milk every day or whatever shake you're drinking. Okay. If you take a tablespoon of turmeric powder, it's going to go right through you. Oh. It's going to irritate your vagus nerve. Turmeric stimulates the release of bile. Bile is a natural laxative. So these people that are mainline and powdered turmeric as a spice are, are giving themselves IBS. I have taken so many yoga teachers off of turmeric and they feel like, yeah, it's a miracle. My belly feels better. Wow. Well, we didn't tell you to do that. So yeah, a couple capsules of the good bioway curcumin solves the puzzle for turmeric. Right. What nobody realizes, and Chris, you brought this up about fear. Turmeric at high doses helps you conquer your fears. And the number one fear that they found in the study was the fear of failure. Hmm. So if you're walking around thinking, I've got to do this because I can't fail. And that's just hijacking your amygdala and creating all this PTSD around failure. You know, because Sister Mary Margaret's banging your head off the board because you couldn't do algebra in sixth grade or whatever. And it's triggered this PTSD. Turmeric at high doses helps you get beyond that. And so does rhodiola. But that's another herb for another day. Well, I've had, wow. I've, I've had lots of doses of ravioli. Tons. <laughs> Tons. We're talking about Russian ravioli. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> that was a very specific example, by the way, of, uh, <laughs> of taking your head <laughs> off of a blackboard in algebra class. <laughs> well, the names were changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what you're saying is you've had an experience your body has held on to it it is trauma that's stored in your body and then it shows up when you get to something to trying to do something new and then everything in you says no don't right it's the self-sabotage cycle yep. it's the you know, I could would imagine that that people would even think about that to do with their health of, you know, I've tried this diet, I've tried that diet, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. And it's it, it is sort of the epitome of hitting a glass ceiling, maybe for some people, I don't know, like you. Um, yeah, you're trying, 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 and then you just kind of give up because of previous experience. You can spot it in people that are taking everything away from their lifestyle. They don't eat this, they don't eat that, they don't do this, they have to do this, but they can't do that. And, and like you said, the glass ceiling, but it's more like a bubble that gets tighter yeah. and tighter and tighter. And at some point they're left with water and now they can't drink water because, and it's a total paranoia. Right. If you can start upregulating the vagus nerve with meditation, with chiropractic care, massage, and it involves touch that helps the vagus nerve kind of reset itself. The beautiful thing about the brain and the body is you can reset it. We can't reboot it, right? You can't shut it off and turn it back on. All of that has okay. happened and right. people have stories, but yeah, you can reset it. Um, one of the books that I've come across lately is by a doctor named Joe Dispenza. Love his and, stuff. Uh, yeah. And he's a chiropractor. Um, and there's a funny story about all the doctors that I know that have, have looked at his work. They've changed the way they practice because it's, it's not about hitting the ground running. It's not about waiting for the gun to go off, right? Can you get those expressions? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are stressful expressions. They are. The gun went off. <laughs> Got to go. Yeah. What yeah, they've yeah. done is, is they've done the opposite. You know, the gun doesn't have to go off because we're always in movement. We're always in practice. And there's an interesting, I was listening to Lance Armstrong talk about Joe Dispenza. And he went to Santa Barbara 
to work out with Joe Dispenza. And if you look at Joe, he's not the fittest looking guy. Yeah. But he wiped the floor with Mr. Armstrong. Really? And then to quote Lance, he said, bro, that dude is fit, which, you know, very eloquent for the Texan. But still to see that professional athletes retired or not are still seeking a way to shut off that fight or flight drive, that that need to not fail, which drives dysfunction in a lot of people. Now, I'm not saying, you know, oh, it's okay if you quit. It's okay if you fail. No, I mean, set goals. Yeah. Right. But it's yeah. not the end of your world. You're not going to die unless, you know, you're hanging on to a literal thread. It's that we were, we're, we're, we were brought up by our parents yeah. to push, always push, 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 succeed, yeah. push for success. Failure is a good yeah. thing because it makes you want more success. You learn from it, that kind of thing. So we've been conditioned one way. And then you get to a yeah. certain point in your life when, as you say, the brain starts to to get a bit of mileage on it. And, and then we've got to kind of stop, take a look around and, uh, and do better when it comes to taking care of that brain. Leanne, one of the best things I've seen lately in doing brain scans on people is we measure that theta wave activity. Yeah. And, and we get crazy with this stuff. Um, it's amazing what you can get from the brain these days with technology. But the number one thing I've noticed in people that improves their theta or vagal activity mm-hmm. is charity. When somebody does mm-hmm. something for someone else and wants absolutely nothing in return, that's vagal. And that that's kind of beautiful because like you said, Chris, it's push, push, push. But when do you stop? And uh, yeah. one of the things that Joe says is, you know, if you've had enough and you think you have enough, start giving some back yeah. and, and charity drives the vagus nerve all day long for most of us. That's really incredible because I've observed that in my daughter mm-hmm. while during this situation of being in lockdown, not seeing people, not going to school. She's a very kind, both my, my kids are a very kind person. It's just affected each of them differently. And when my youngest has gone out and she's been of service. She's done those acts of service and been there for other, either other kids, or there was a day when she came to work with me to assist a photographer that I had in. And, and she was just there doing the things that she loves doing. And I 100% saw a shift in her mood and, and how she, and just how she was. And at the end of the day, she said, I'm tired, mom, but it wasn't, it was a, just the energy around it was night and day different to, I'm tired, mom. You know, it was, she had earned that tired in a way where she was of service to others. And, you know, of course she said, Hey, can I get paid? But in the end, I don't think she did get paid from anybody, but she was totally she was totally fine with it because she got so much out of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, the world is what it is and we all have things we need to take care of. Right. Yeah. And I know that we're in a new moon in Virgo and, and Pluto's going to do something weird today, whatever. But if you look at people that do astrology, yeah. you know, they, they carve out moments through the year for acts of service. Mm. And every, every piece of, of traditional society has done that. Yeah. Um, what I find interesting that we can bring it back to pharmacology is sunshine can also bring about a lot of those same feelings. Hmm. 
So if you can do acts of service on the beach, you know, yep. hey. oh, double, um, double whammy so much. The right. Better. So we're learning more about vitamin D as we go through what's going on. And, you know, you and I've talked about vitamin D at length. Yes. And we're still leaning about 10,000 units a day because so many people are so deficient. Yeah, but yeah. when you hit that sweet spot on dosage, you start reducing all sources of inflammation, including the brain and the vagus nerve, which then allows serotonin to work better. Because if your brain is inflamed due to stress or infection, mm-hmm. your neurotransmitters don't work, particularly dopamine. And then you just can't feel good no matter what. It's a horrible feeling. It is. It is. It's a very desperate feeling. And a lot of people end up feeling very suicidal at that point where yeah. it just doesn't matter what you do. It's not, it's just another day and I'm going to still feel crappy all day long. It's a really horrible place to be. A lot of the time people reach out to me about my sunshine D3K2 and say, how much should I be taking? And when I suggest upwards of 5,000 yeah. IUs a day, everybody says, what? That's too much. And you know, exactly says who. So the 10 sprays a day that I do, the 10 sprays a day, I throw my kid's mouth, all of that stuff is, you know, is impacting so many on so, so, so many levels. So I just wanted to quickly circle back to, you were talking about the performance, you know, so Lance Armstrong, Joe Dispenza, Mm -hmm. and, you know, optimizing your performance or maybe even doing too much exercise. Is there a sort of sweet spot for this stimulating but but calming of the vagus nerve in, to do with movement and, and exercise? Absolutely. If you uh, take a look at what went down at the Olympics this year, all of the athletes said the same thing. It's been the most st- stressful experience of their lives. Yes. They couldn't sleep. They couldn't nap. They had their headphones on. They had their rituals and those rituals that pro athletes use and elite athletes, they do these rituals to stay calm, to stay yeah. in the, quote, zone. In that zone, that's where the vagus nerve is humming right along and keeping things calm. Mm-hmm. Our nervous system can't run full throttle all the time. It cracks. We're not designed to do that. Yeah. But the highest level of athletic performance is somebody that's trained their nervous system to push that extra one or 2% more than everybody else. Right. If you notice, they all have a recovery technique. So the best in the world really aren't physiologically different than us. Yeah. They're in a little better shape, a little less weight, all that stuff. But neurologically they have tuned their vagus nerve. Uh, The Russian figure skaters really dialed this in back in the seventies where they would, they would push and push and push, but there was always, this relaxation component, even if it was short. And in in the West, we don't do that, right? It's all about get back out there, play while you're hurt, walk it off. Um, All that does is stimulate more trauma and injury. So what does a recovery period look like then? Everybody's different. And and meditating and all of those kind of things? Ironically, it's sound. All of them have to pick whatever kind of music or tones that they want to listen to. And there's tons of research on different notes and sound medicine, as, as you yeah. know, sound medicine. Sound, sound therapy is what I can, do. Yeah. yeah, it can change the way the brain operates. Um, there are apps you can download. There's, there's different exercises you can do on YouTube. You can do 
chakra meditation on YouTube. Yep. You can sit there and just go through the different tones and different sequences. Right. A lot of times it's a poem and you recite the poem when you're stressed and you've been conditioned to come out of that fight or flight. Um, a lot of times, like with football, there's a fight song. When that song happens, it's on, right? Right. Until it's not on. And so yep. there's, there's all these sound conditionings. Um, they've experimented with light conditioning. One of those techniques is called EMDR. Mm-hmm. And that can start tuning different aspects of the brain. But, uh, you know, everybody's triggered by something different. And I, I like to think that we're all working on our own performance, trying to be the best we can be. And we're all very good at sabotaging our own performance occasionally. We are. But yes. if you have a routine that incorporates some type of rest, then you're, you're already off to the races, so to speak. The, uh, the Dalai Lama said it best. He said, you got to schedule 15 minutes of nothing every day. Put it in your planner, 15 minutes. I want an alarm to go off. Leanne, it's your 15 minutes of nothing. Right. And everybody's had a panic attack because you're like, what do you mean nothing? I don't know how to do nothing. I don't know. Like, where would you go to do nothing? So, and that was my question to him. And he said, well, if you're sitting in your car, just put the windows down. Just listen to the world. Just open up your senses. Just don't physically do anything. Don't change the station. Don't fiddle. Just listen. Look breathe. You know, if, you, if you're going for a walk in the woods, yep. stop, sit down on a rock or a log, watch the birds. Yeah. Just literally observe, listen. Uh, he, he says, you have to listen to the sound of the planet breathing. I said, is that like one hand clapping? <laughs> yes. Like, no, but that, that idea of, of uh, a complete absence of activity. I'm going to suggest that that's going to be pretty challenging for a lot of people. And other people will probably say, yeah, I'm already, you know, I'm already doing that. So my, my vagus nerve may already be in better shape than I think it is. So, so interesting. So you've mentioned some, some resources just to kind of close out on this bit here. You've mentioned some resources of Joe Dispenza. Is there anything else that listeners can take a dive into if they're, you know, they're really wanting to look into this. There will definitely be a part two on some other things to do uh, with the vagus nerve and the polyvagal theory. So just hang tight on that. But I think there might be a few people that think, oh, my God, I can totally identify with this. So mm-hmm. um, any other resources? I mean, anything by Deepak Chopra can open some doors for you. That whole Ayurvedic way of looking at things, uh, yep. anything by the Dalai Lama. Anything that looks at Eastern philosophy, but also lately, um, any First Nation Native type publications about history, like their history, their stories, mm-hmm. um, the original stories, right, um, right. And, and the way the First Nation people look at the changing of the seasons, what they would observe. There's a lot of stillness in those stories. And that's really, to me, that's the key of keeping a healthy bagel pattern is being still. So it's always good to investigate your local history too and see, see what other people are doing. All right. Well, there's so many other things that we could talk about, but we'll, we'll stop there because I think we've probably blown everyone's mind on this front. And this is definitely going to need 
a re-listen of a few times to, you know, to really start to wrap your head around this. And then in the next episode, we'll really get into some more of the how to's and, 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 you know, how can you sort out your IBS or what's, what else can you do? So a bit more of a checklist perhaps um, further to everything that Dr. B has already um, has already shared. So thank you so much, because I know this is just a huge topic. I actually know somebody that's doing her PhD on the vagus nerve. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Dr. B, as always. And on the, in the show notes on leannephillipson.com, I'll share Dr. B's website, his information, if you want to get a little more all about him as well. So thank you, as always. Thanks, Leanne. All right. Once again, Chris, holy smokes, is your mind blown? I know I'm going to have to go back and listen to that over and over again. Yeah, my mind feels good because it's educated, but it's a little achy because there's a lot of information in it. The nice thing about Dr. B is that he does, he does, I don't want to say dumb it down because, well, no, let's say dumb it down uh, because, yeah. I mean, that works for me. Uh, yeah. He takes some really, really complex stuff and really simplifies it and lay and really paints a picture to say, yeah. This is what it does. Here's how to fix it. Here's what's going on when it's going wrong. So for me, it makes it kind of the ABCs of, right. of, of health, right? No, I completely agree. And I've heard him speak all over the place. And of course, taking myself and my daughters uh, across the border when we could to uh, to be treated by him. And he does the same thing in practice. He still breaks it all down, looks at all your test results, connects the dots. And that's something that I've always done with, with my clients, because I don't know, maybe it's like an inquiring mind or something like that, but I need to know the why, why is this happening? And then what exactly, like you said, what on earth am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Because I've, I, of course, that's, that's the empowering piece that I try and I try and give to everyone who listens to this is so, you know, you hear stories or you learn something new so that you can go away and, and do something for yourself. Cause I think that's one of the most important things. Now, this episode, it's worth a listen a whole bunch of times. I know that I'll be interested to know what really stood out for you. If you like this and other episodes, please share, please rate and let us know. Your feedback is so helpful and really helps drive the direction of the topics that we talk about. We want to know what you need to hear more about and what you've got going on. For more on the magnesium that Dr. B was talking about being so crucially important, go to SproutRight.com for the Physica Magnesium Bisglycinate. And really just you'll find a whole bunch of episodes, blog posts, radio segments that I do over there. And if you want more in the notes about Dr. B, you'll find that on LeannePhillipson.com. Come on over and find me on all the social channels on SproutRight and Leanne Phillipson. And we'll see you again really soon. Thank you to Dr. B as always. And of course, my very talented and I don't know, wizard producer. That's what I call you, Chris. But thank you so much for everything that you do. Every single episode could not do this without you. So as always, please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time. 